Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Hamel and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Well guys, in what's been a bit of a turbulent season for Liverpool Football Club, it's been a great season for us. Um, with guest wise, and we've mentioned Chris Kirkland in the past, Neil Meller, Howard Gale, um, Kieran Molyneux, amongst some names, not to mention George Sefton. Um, but I've got another big guest on today. And um, we're really, really happy um, to welcome the son of the legend, Mr. Liverpool, that is Ronnie Moran, Paul Moran on the uh, show. So, Paul, how's it going, buddy? Very well, thanks. Doing all right. Good to have you. Good to have you. Um, what, what, what me and Danny are going to do today, um, again, we're going to divulge into the, the, the memory of Paul here and what, what it's like going, you know, being the son of a Liverpool player, Liverpool legend, Liverpool manager at times, um, and how that kind of impacted your life, how it impacts your life now. Um, and I mean, the legacy that your father left, because me and Danny, um, we're in our early 30s, and it could be easily said that the likes of me and Danny probably didn't see that history with your dad and see what he did at the club. But when you hear interviews with the likes of Stephen Gerrard, Jamie Carragher, Robbie Fowler, some of the, the legends of the club, this name, your dad's name, always popped up. So first of all, and the first question to come up with is like, what's it like having your dad as the, one of the biggest names associated with the football club? And is that a, a privilege and honour, or how, how, how do you deal with that day to day? Well, on a day-to-day basis, you know, it's not like something happens every day, like you get asked to go on stuff like this because of it. So it's always nice to do that. And of course, we try to keep me, I try to keep my dad's memory alive on Twitter and Facebook, but I don't really have to because other people, Paul, I, I usually end up retweeting and liking other people's posts about my dad from like the Liverpool Historical Group and people like that. It's, it's a funny thing you say when, you know, what, what was it like? I... I didn't know any different. My dad got promoted to the first team uh, as first team coach in 1974 when I was 12. So there was never a time really, obviously before that, he was a 
Melwood. I knew he was a football. I knew he played for Liverpool. There wasn't really as much coverage then as there is now, certainly, about stuff like that. But, you know, people had recognised him when you were out, which I always used to say was quite funny. Uh, but it, it, my life's always revolved around football. And because of that, it's with me dad. I used to go to games with him when he was with the A and B teams. I'd go to the reserves with him. And then he went, he got promoted to the first team. When Bill Shankly left, I uh, started going to first team games then, certainly home games. And then as it progressed from about 76, 77, when I was 15, for the next 10, 12 years, we were going home and away to as many games as we could. So, I mean, just the lads I was with, my mates, you know, whoever it was each week, uh, going on the special train to away games. We weren't doing anything special. You, know, you weren't going down with the team or nothing. I, I've never actually been in the dressing room at a first-team game and wow. all the games. Never did. Some at Anfields, when I was late, late teens, early 20s, we'd go to the players' entrance about quarter two and my dad might come up and just speak to us. But, you know, I'd seen him that morning, so it was hardly like... But he'd come and talk to us and say what the team was type of thing before anyone else knew. So then you know that, but it didn't give you any advantage or anything. But it was any little things like that, but you were doing it all the time. So it was never not happening. So there wasn't a period where he'd left Liverpool or he'd gone to someone else. It was just he was with Liverpool till I was what? I, he left Liverpool. I was 36 when he left Liverpool. I was 1998, you know. So you talk, he's been, he's been gone from Liverpool 23 years. Wow, fair enough. You know, it's thought, a long did, did you play yourself? Did you ever have any aspirations of being a player? You know, some, some adults to look up to. Well, yeah, obviously, you know, it was just everything we did revolved around football. When I was younger, I started playing actually in open age football when I was 15 in the Crosby and District League. With, it was with my brother-in-law's team, uh, my sister's uh, husband, Chris, sadly passed away now, but he had a team called Buckley Villa he was involved with. So when I was just, it was just before I was 16, he took us to a couple of their training sessions and then I ended up playing for them and played for them for about six years. So I only ever played Sunday League as it was then because at that time there was games Saturdays. It wasn't like it is now where it's potluck. Like we played Saturday or midweek. There was no Sunday games or anything back then. Mm. So if you played on a Sunday, you were free to go anywhere you wanted on the Saturday without it affecting. So I only ever played for Saturday, Sunday teams. I was at Liverpool for, if you like, about two, three seasons when I was 16, 17, played for the B team, but I was never... I'd never have gone there if it hadn't been for my dad. And I'd never, I would never have made it because I was never quick enough. I couldn't run fast enough. <laughs> but as, well, as someone wanted, someone once, I said to someone once, I wouldn't have got there if it hadn't been for my dad. But someone said to me, if your dad didn't think you were all right to go, he wouldn't have embarrassed himself by putting you in that position. So I played for, it's like a season and a half with the B team. Played against Man United and uh, Bolton Wanderers, Blackburn Rovers, their B teams or like Rochdale's A team and that. So you played a decent stand. It was good. Played the form being that in games with, when Tommy Smith was in charge of the B team. So, you know, I, I did have some, I've got some happy memories and I still see some of the lads or talk to them on Facebook who we played with in like 1978, 79 with Liverpool. So it's good, like it's got some good memories from playing. Oh, wow, that's amazing. And I, I can, uh, Danny can relate. Um, obviously, you might not listen to our previous podcast, but I, I'm a striker. I, I always get compared as like the white Emil Heskey. And Danny's a defender, aren't you, Danny? Um, and it's funny because we always have, no matter what comes up in football, we always have this kind of counter argument of like, I've got the attacker's point of view and Danny's got the defender's point of view. 
Um, so I ask you, what, what position did you play, Paul? And, and well, were you a goal scorer or were you a centre-half? Or? No, you, you've, you've asked the question there. I'll take up the rest of the podcast. <laughs> I, I started, when I was at Liverpool, when I say when I was at Liverpool, which sounds much grander than it actually was, on a Tuesday and Thursday nights at Melwood. Uh, actually, it was one of the nights there. Ronnie Whelan had been injured. Ronnie Whelan had just, he's the same age as me, Ronnie. Mm. He'd signed from home farm. And he'd come to Melwood training one Thursday night just to have a run round because they didn't want him to go back into full training. So they brought him to Melwood with the kids, as they were called, you know, 16, 17-year-old. And he was running round. And he, as you say, he'd been injured. He wasn't running around fast. And he was going probably twice as fast as me. So you're thinking, now when you look at it, then you go, I'm never going to make it because, all right, you might be able to control the ball and pass it, but you're not going to be where you need to be on the pitch. Hmm. But you're talking position-wise, when I was at the B team, I was right back because I think it was like sort of protected a little bit. You didn't get caught with the pace all the time. If you got your winger, you got tight on the winger early on. Then when I played myself, I played centre-half for a long time. Then I went into centre-midfield. Then I got injured playing in the Southport League, uh, one of our usual games against the team from Southport called Blowick. And I ended up going in goal. And I played in goal for like eight years. So, and then in, in one game I come up for a corner last minute in a cup game and scored from the corner come over ended up it come to me on the edge of the box and he hit it and it went in so the week after one of the other lads went he's going in goal you're playing in midfield again today so I ended up playing out for another three years then I used to take the penalties and the free kicks you, you best be described as a slow Jan Mulby so if you imagine <laughs> if, you, if you can imagine that uh, my mates always say they like to tackle and now I like put my foot in. And I, well, I watch games now and you, you watch people playing it. That you'll do talking the Liverpool Business Houses League, which is, I love that league. It's a fantastic I've played league. Now, I've played now, I've played now. Well, I, I was there, I was at two games yesterday, 11 o'clock and 1 o'clock at Anfield Sports. I do that most Sundays. Hmm. And there's people playing there. And when you I, I take pictures of games, I love taking my pictures now of games and putting them on. Twitter and Facebook and you, you're watching people and you're thinking he's a nuisance him wouldn't like to play against him and he's a pain you know he's a pain him he's always twisting at the ref he's always niggling the team he's always getting and one of the lads was watching the game with us well and he went you were like that and I, I can't remember being like that he said you were like a nightmare to play against not because of any high levels of skill it's just annoying basically like but that's I look back at that well if you make the best of what you've got so if yeah. you put people, put, put, putting people off was what I was good at, if you like. <laughs> Fair than... enough. But... <laughs> name, name drop, Paul. Name drop. So tell me some of the boys that you you you, you mentioned, Ronnie Whelan there, which is obviously a household name. Name, name drop a few. And did you ever maybe make the bench of the first team or play against the first team or anything like that? No, no, never got that. The, the, the best ones we played against, I mean, you just said, you told me how old you were before, so you probably won't remember him. Man United had a goalie, Gary Bailey. He played against us in the FA Cup semi-finals. He played a lot of games for United. Just mm. play. He played against us in the 85 semi-finals at Goodison and Main Road when they, went, they beat us 2-1 at Main Road. But he played for Man United's B team against us. I, I always wonder, actually, you say that, I'd love to know who we did actually play against, if any of them ever made it. I, pl- I right, played with lads who played a lot of league games. It was like Chris Seagraves. It was at Liverpool. You, you won't have heard the names. I do appreciate that. He went and played for Grimsby. And Steve Foley went to Swindon. Colin Russell, who played league football. There was a lot of the lads who played league football. A lad called Alec Cribbley, who 
went to Wigan, yeah, played a lot of he, he played a lot of games for Wigan Athletic. Then he became Wigan's physio when he retired. So you know, there's names people I appreciate people won't have heard of the names because there's no one really at Melwood when I was there who ended up being at Liverpool, which mm. was there for three, no. four years. So but well, this is you look at it, people so don't you've make got, it. Um, you've got a defender, a goalkeeper, and a midfielder's perspective. So I bring Danny and Danny, like can, can can you relate with someone that's you no? Know, I, I I have to say this, I have to give Danny a bit of praise here. I've seen Danny playing a, a few positions in the past, um, in, in amateur football, and I'm just a striker. And I know I've got not enough to me. I'm not fast enough to try to relate to you, Paul. But I have to bring Danny. I've seen him cover the pitch in a few positions, so you can relate with that, Danny, can't you? Firstly, I'd say, Paul, did you take it as an insult or did you take it as a compliment that they called you the slow Jan Mulby? Because Jan Mulby wasn't exactly blessed with pace himself. <laughs> this is it, you see. So this is. Basically, it was going the opposite way to everybody else. But no, that, that was sort of my own description when people say, what, what were you like? When I was in midfield, I used to, you know, score first year of goals as well. But this, you're talking in the Southport and District League on a Sunday morning. So, you know, it's not the, the it's not a bad standard, but it's certainly not the highest on Merseyside. And mm. it's the league that gets, you know, not criticised, that's wrong. But the, the business houses wouldn't think of playing a team from the Southport and District League. Mm. would be any sort of problem to them type of thing if they do them in one of the uh, Liverpool's uh, junior cup ties like type of thing. But we we played when I played for I played for a team called the Formby Dons in the Southport League and uh, we played a team called Failmere who are now called the Campfield who are in the FA Sunday Cup final in two weeks time. They played a team from Luton in the final and they beat us 2-1 but they thought they were going to batter us and it ended up being 2-1 but we, we, it wasn't a bad league to play in, but it was it was quite relaxed, if you know what I mean. There wasn't any uh, major decisions yeah. going on each week. It wasn't a, a violent league by any means, but not as bad as the, the Crosby and District used to be the worst when I first started, when I was like 15, 16 and that. And you're playing against the likes of Eden Vale and the Valentine and I used to, because I was all right then, because I was only like 16, 17, so I could run around then. And once you seen you could control it and pass it, and you were doing stuff, you'd end up lying on the next pitch, okay. you know, wondering what had happened, type of thing. Yeah. But my dad used to go and watch. My dad used to just say, "You've got to learn." So if you get out the way, they won't kick you. Like so, you just say, "Well, it's up to me to get out the way." Then you know what I mean? It's uh, it's up to <laughs> me. So you've got to protect yourself, haven't you? So you're doing that from sixteen, seventeen, hmm. and then as I say, with the way football was, then we played Saturdays Liverpool. So I started. To playing on a Sunday and then Saturdays were free to go to Southampton and Brighton and Newcastle and you know wherever we were so we used to have a good time travelling around as well Do you think that's changed now Paul do you know in terms of football as you said and I remember even when I was younger it used to be I played Saturday League and our Saturday League always kicked off half ten in the morning so it was done by half twelve so boys could get a shower get changed go to the match because matches were always Saturday you had a midweek game and that was it like now because of the sort of business side of football that's come in, obviously, in sort of the early 90s, do you think it's kind of, and we're going to go into it more in the second half of the pod, but do you think it's kind of killing amateur league football off a little bit? Because boys are wanting to go to, to the Liverpool matches, to the Everton matches, but at the same time, they've got to then choose between, I'll do a go there, I'll do a play for my team, and, and it comes a bit more confusing now, doesn't it? I think a lot of it, right in what you say, but a lot of it is it's harder to go to Premiership games now. You're looking at the Liverpool and Everton even. Uh, part of the fact, you know, the kickoffs and some ridiculous kickoff times put in, you know, this uh, Care and Sky Sports who are on at the moment trying to take the moral high ground about everything that's going yeah. on. 
And uh, they're the ones who have us playing Brighton away on Boxing Day mm. type of thing, you know, as an example. So they're not thinking of the fans themselves. They don't care either way, particularly. As long as, and the main point someone's pointed out in the last week is they were charging for 14.99 for Brighton v Burnley or Burnley v Leicester or someone during the pandemic where no yeah. one could go to match. So, well, you know, they're the ones looking after the fans. I don't think so. I think they're mm. all looking at I don't blame them. They're all looking after themselves. But for them to come on spouting, you know, we're looking after the fans, you're not really. You're mm. charging pay-per-view on something that you pay a scrip- subscription to. And you're paying a subscription to something that does adverts all the time. Cool, cool. We just demand. make out. Um, yeah. We actually did a bit of a special on this at the time and we boycotted it, didn't we, Danny? We refused yeah. to uh, We refused to pay. I think, if I remember correctly, it was a Villa. <laughs> the game we got beat 70, wasn't it? Was that the game that was on pay-per-view, wasn't it? No, so, no. I, I watched that so couldn't have been because I wouldn't watch them. I, I actually try and find them on a, a we, we played the Sheffield United one was on pay-per-view, I think. Pay-per-view Sheffield. At home. Yeah. We because I had, it, didn't we? I had it on the iPad. I'd found a feed on the iPad and I looked at my phone and it said Liverpool nil, Sheffield United one penalty. And we had the ball in their half. And I said, how does that happen? Like, <laughs> you know, you really followed see on. And if, I know you're behind a bit, but I didn't think it was yeah. that far behind. But two minutes later, Fabinho done that tackle on the edge of the box where he, he clipped the ball and clipped the fella and they, he, the VAR gave a penalty. We don't have to look whether he scores this or not. He <laughs> went down for about four minutes before the seeing it. So. And that, that was the one, game. going into like, you know, you've got great connections with the club, Paul. Um, you've seen, I mean, we're sitting here with someone that's watched a lot of generations of Liverpool fans, Liverpool teams. Do you feel the way football's gone now, it's kind of, it takes away from the fans and it takes away from like the that you say you used to love getting the train up. I know people still go home and away before the pandemic and stuff like that. Yeah. But what I'm asking, is it is it too globalized or or have you got any do you speak to one at the club now that's in a similar position as you that has maybe been associated with the club and sitting there thinking this is not the way? You know, people maybe like your dad, maybe other ex players and ex people at the club would be sitting there thinking this is a joke, it shouldn't be, the, or is it just a, a case of money and that's the way the world is? I think it's just what he says, the money. So we, we've, we're lucky we get tickets for the home games, but we've got three season tickets for uh, every home game, which is lucky mm. through my dad, you know, through what yeah. they've done for the club, do for my dad. But you, you don't really see it around us, there's never really the same people. And on our, I sit at the cop, it's at the, in the new main stand, the bottom tier, at the cop end, we're behind the cop goal line. Uh, I don't do things from behind there that you can't see. The cop goal lines, like the cop goals, a little bit to our left as we're sitting. It's a fantastic seat, you know, especially when you're getting it from the club. But on our right, there's people there every week. There's different people every week, and again, it sounds terrible, but some of them don't have a clue what they're looking at. Yeah, you know, they really don't know where they are. You can hear them asking where the cop is and that. And they've got wow Liverpool scarves on. Which one's the cop and Who's that? And you can even join the game. What? Who's that? Who's this and that? You know, you think. I mean, I I follow a team in Argentina called River Plate. And one one to go over to Buenos Aires. I wanted to go to Buenos Aires for about twenty years. We never got round to it. But I I would go there. But I I know the players. Not all of them, like. But I know what the players look like. I know, say, fifteen out the current well, squad. Why River Plate? Uh, it just was picked them. I picked them about 15 years ago. Well, I liked Argentina in football from 1974 with the World Cup in Germany, West Germany as it was then, because I just picked Argentina 
and I liked how they played. I liked the kit. I liked how they looked. Only twelve, so I liked all, everything about them. So I've just followed Argentinian football ever since. Fair uh, enough. And then you pick a team. So you think, well, they pick River or Bacher, and it was a simple fact that River had red and white out of the two of them. If they know more about it, I would have picked one of the other. There's other teams who were basically all red or more red than River ever did. But back in that time, you know, it was River and Bocher. You used to think they the only two teams in existence. But so I got people that talk to, big friends, if you call them that, on Facebook in Buenos Aires. And they've said we can go over and stay with them. And they look after us. But I've always wanted that because I don't want to go cold as someone who can't speak Spanish. And being mm. Buenos Aires and being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, well, <laughs> you know, not, not, I, I, don't, but I know I know people who've been over there and they say it's brilliant. It's not. It's not like, oh, you're English type of thing. It, it doesn't come right. If you go over there to watch the football and the majority of them are made up with you, wherever mm-hmm. you go, any any grounds you've been to. I know people who've been to Bocher and people who've been to Racing Club and Independiente and that. And they say, if, if they find out you're English, because they do generally find out because they do these songs where it's like there's the chorus bit and then everyone does an action. So if you don't know what to say, and you just sit there. So everyone looks at you because you haven't jumped up or done something that you're supposed to do. And they all know that you're not from Argentina. So what people say, because there isn't any people who say, say you're from Denmark, but you can speak English. Yeah. You don't want to be English because of the Falcons. Because yeah. you can speak to the wrong people there, but you haven't got this fella looking after us like type of thing. Fair he was going to come over. He was going to come over last season to Liverpool, and we want to go to a game with him. Obviously, mm-hmm. a pandemic. Oh, this stopped it. Like, but he was actually coming to the Bournemouth game last March. Paul, but then, um, oh. just before we kind of go into the, 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 the second part of the pod, um, let me ask this question. So, I mean, this, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I mean, I'm sure you're not you're not uh, naive enough to know that. But we're not absolute. We're huge Liverpool fans, and we've got this podcast, but we don't know every fine detail. So, I was on Google Wikipedia before. And we've seen lots of pictures here, Dad, the likes of Jürgen Klopp, Kenny Dagny, stuff like that. So up until um, he sadly passed away, what influence did this still have at the club? You mentioned there in 1998, he stopped kind of working there. But, yeah. I mean, so many people mentioned his name, Paul. I mean, these people, you know, you don't really hear any in-depth interview with any kind of one from Liverpool or hearing your dad's name. He put the yeah. the foundations in place for some some of the best players ever to, of Greece Liverpool football club to come through. So what impact did what 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 involvement in the club did he have up until you know to the day he didn't wasn't well yeah well yeah he, he retired in ninety eight as I say he he got told he was he didn't know he was retiring until the day he retired actually that was always a bit of a was when uh, Gerard Houllier come in and Roy kept on as joint manager and he brought a fella called Patrice Berges in. Uh, which no one really he, he seems to be a decent fella but he's not made much of a legacy at the club mm. but my dad left more or less because of him he got called in and got told when he's 65 next season so you've got to retire so he thought he was going for a new contract and he got retired so that was always a bit of a, a shocker at the time because he, he didn't know who he was coming in at that time obviously the club hierarchy did and my dad was asked he wasn't asked to leave he retired on a you know full pension and got a testimonial and that so he didn't like launch him out the door by any stretch of the imagination. But they allowed him, the, the, Julio himself allowed my dad, with, he was Roy at the time, but my dad used to go to Melwood uh, most two or three times a week and he'd do laps of the pitch. So the players would still see him then because it was obviously players he knew. And then it had progressed from then, obviously with the turnover of players, you know, it was, there was always someone who knew him 
And then when they, he's walking around and a new player goes, who's that? They say it's, and then they know who he was. Like one of the, the ones who you'd say, the stories I remember my dad telling him, the ones who made an effort to speak to him were, funnily enough, you wouldn't think of Fernando Torres uh, mm. as someone who was on the pitches in, because he sees him walking around and he's on all the pitches and Sammy Lee took him over to my dad. And he said Torres used to come and talk to him, shake hands and give him a hug every time he went to the Melbourne. Which, wow. you know, just it's something about Torres. Yeah. Uh, the same with uh, Yari Lippman. Yari Lippman recognised me dad from, you know, this when I was a fan in wherever they were from and they signed, like Finland on that case. Yeah. But, you know, her man was a fan in Germany and so and so was a fan in wherever they were from. Lippman was actually a big Liverpool fan. So he saw me dad and he said, oh, that's Ronnie Moran. He went over, he was talking to me dad about the past glories. But when you're saying what influenced me, Dad, Dad, he, he, he wasn't involved with it at all, other than being at Melwood. But you'd like to think that the influence he had was him being mentioned by other people and other people doing what he'd done and taking the job as seriously as me, Dad, Dad, if you like. You know, because Sammy was there doing that. Kenny's been back at the club since. Mm. And they obviously, I'm not saying they go and saying well, what would Ronnie Moran do, because that would be a ridiculous thing to do, but they, if you like the uh, virtues and things my dad's put in over the 49 years he was there and even when my dad passed away in 2017 you know there's a picture that we go on Google there's a picture of the, the team we were they were training in Spain and he had a minute silence for my dad before training mm. and Anderson spoke about my dad very well at the time you know considering my dad had never really met him other than at Melwood there's pictures of my dad talking to Stevie Gerrard but he knew him because Gerard was coming through into the team in 97, 98, when my dad was still there. Same with Carragher. But, you know, everyone passes the name on type of thing, you know, and he was, he said, you know, what he did for the club, you'd say, it's, it's hard to put down to he did this for the club. It was just like a 49 year. And when people say he gave his life to the club, he, he loved every minute of it. You know what I mean? He's wow. not going into a, he's not going into a crappy job that, you know, I hate this, I'll be glad when I retire. He, he, obviously, when you're 2-0 down to Man United with two minutes to go, he's not sitting there going, oh, this, is, <laughs> this is great, like, type of thing, you know. The, well, exactly, but what I'm saying to you is he enjoyed every minute. There was mm. times when things went wrong and, you know, you had Heisel and Hillsborough when my dad was there. So, mm. you know, I don't want people to get the wrong idea that the things like that didn't affect him because he yeah. did, because I was at, I was at both of them. The first one, actually, my wife, now we've been married 34 years. We got married in 87. I took, as she was then, my girlfriend, Julie, to, to Heisel. And we were in the stand above the, the, the main stand where the wall collapsed 20 yards to our left. That's where everyone, everyone got killed as we watched them because they were, they were there. Were like, if you can imagine, again, not wishing they're on anything, but if you can imagine the paddock at Liverpool, it was the corner of the Annie Road. So if you're in the main stand at Anfield, the old or even the new main stand, it's happening in the corner of the Yanni Road. And we were in the third, third or fourth row of the main stand there. So it was that it was within I can still actually when people talk about Heisel and that, the worst noise, and I know when people say I can I can still hear the noise. Now, if I think about that, when the wall collapsed, I've never heard a noise like it before or since. Not screaming and that, but the noise the actual wall made when it fell. It was because at the time there'd been a kids' match on the pitch before the final. It was like an under 13s or under 14s game. 
And everyone was saying them kids were sitting in front of the wall when it collapsed, but they weren't. But that's someone said, you know, and the rumours are going around because you don't know anyone's dead at the time because yeah. everyone thinks everyone's just fighting or, you know, what you don't really know what's going on even though you're there looking at it. But mm. then when you go into the back of the stand, you, there was a, a wall with a, a window at just above head height and you got lifted up and looked down. You could look down on, and all the bodies were lined up underneath this window. So my mum's there as well because my mum's there with the players' wives. So she doesn't know where I am. So we got to go and find them to tell her we're not over there type of thing. We're not in the wrong bit. Mm. It was the same as Hillsborough. We were in the other stand. I had Hillsborough. I went with three of the lads. And I was in the big cantilever stand that, you know, you know when you watch Sheffield Wednesday on the telly? Yeah. It's stands you see on the telly, the big one opposite the tunnel. So we were in there. So when it was all going off, you could see what was happening. Well, you couldn't see what was happening. Uh, but, you know, you knew something was going wrong the players, the police running on the pitch, and then you could see there was something really going wrong. And someone said to me, you're going to go and tell your dad you're all right? And I said, well, he knows I'm over here. He mm. knows I'm not in that bit. I'm not behind the goal. I'm here. But what we used to do at the time, which we did, when we were going on the trains for away games, I'd have four stand tickets. So if you like, it sounds terrible, we'd be being 59 now, but the older people on the train, They'd have tickets for behind the goal. So we'd swap the tickets and give them the four comps and go in behind the goal. So someone said to me, Dad, I know it was, but I'll never say who it was, but someone went to me, Dad, have you seen your Paul? And he went, no, he's all right, he's over there. And he went, well, unless he's swapped tickets with someone. So my dad went, well, he hasn't come over. Did you? Obviously, at the time, you could walk where you wanted. You go over a pit, you could get on. We didn't, we just stayed where we were because you literally didn't know how bad it was because yeah. even though it's we were on the left of the halfway line so it's half a pitch away and behind the goal so you, could, you couldn't see nothing probably luckily as it mm-hmm. turned out from a mental from my mental point of view because I know people who could see it and it's affected them to this day you know there's people that you probably heard of who were in the in the middle of it or nearer to it to see it going on we could you couldn't see what was happening obviously you could see stretches going past but you didn't think anyone was dead on the stretches. You just think that they've been hurt, mm. you know, possibly unconscious, but you'd never. And then that, it started coming around the ground. The people had died, like, we're sitting here watching it. You're supposed to be wow. watching the semi-final FA Cup. And you've literally sat there without knowing, watching, uh, you know, 95 as it was, then 96 people losing their lives. Can't Not even put as a word. Um, after that, Paul, it's like, you know, we sit here and we're chatting to you about maybe you know, having the, your dad who he was and the influences of the club and stuff. But then, what you what you can't forget that like anything, you're just a fan like us, and you've seen just speaking to you now, listening to you, it's like wow. Me and Danny haven't experienced this. We've heard about it, but to hear a first hand is just, just, just. I don't know what to say. I don't. No, really it's, don't know what it's to not say. something. It's, it's mad, I, like. I, when, when you get asked about it, you know, it's like when you hear it'll, it'll inform people talking about it. Mm. But a lot of them, you know, they're just people who are trying to like score points and they're using people who died to score points and you, you can't, it's like making jokes about 1958 with United, you know, I mean, people have done it and there's been flags again, you know, that, that's one of the things, there's flags at games and then, you know, obviously Juventus fans blame us for what happened to Heysel, which is fair enough type of thing because yeah, but the, you can blame the stadium but if everyone had stood still, it wouldn't have happened. Mm. It's the bottom line. If no one had run towards the Juventus fans, that wouldn't have happened. That was avoidable. As is Hillsborough was more, if you like, unavoidable because we always used to say when they were saying about 
justice for Hillsborough and all like it's all been come out now that there was people lying in statements and cover-ups going on with the police and all. I know it's still going on now, so you're not really supposed to talk about it. But there was no one person on that day, in my opinion, who went, right, if we do this, they're all going to get killed. Mm. You know, no one person did anything knowing that that was going to happen. They might have opened that. Now, they all said they opened the gate outside. If they hadn't have opened the gate outside, 300 people might have died outside. And mm-hmm. then everyone would say, why didn't you open the gate? So they've opened that gate to stop that problem. And it's caused another problem. The only thing you'd say is you'd just stop people going in that, the middle. I don't know if you've ever been to Hillsborough, the Leppins Lane bit. When yeah. you go into the, because the stand I was in, you go in through them gates. You yeah. go in through the Leppins Lane gates. Yeah, because they wouldn't let you in the stand gates because that was on the same side which the Forest fans were at the end. So they wanted all the Liverpool fans for the half the ground to go in through the one set of turnstiles. So that was one of the problems because you couldn't go down the road we were in, the stand, you couldn't go in the turnstiles for your stand. You had to go in the Leppins Lane and then walk around the back of the stand and go into the stand again from the other side. Mm. So that was another thing. So everyone you see at that match, everyone in the big stand went in through them gates as well. Everyone wow. was going in through them gates. Then you were splitting up once you got in. These are famous images. Oh my. But this there was one, if you, if you like, as you're coming through this, the gates, we were, we were there, see, I'm not saying it because we were perfect. We got there about quarter past two. We, we didn't just walk in. It was a bit of a scrum, yeah. but nothing more than you'd expect at an FA Cup semi-final. Yeah. So we said, we'll get there, we'll get there for two. Because I used to be dead thinking about it. The lads used to laugh at me because we'd be at Stoke or somewhere and we in a pub at, 20 past one, half one. And I'd say, I'm going to walk up the ground now. And they'd say, we can kick it off another hour and a half. I said, well, I'm not. I want to get in the ground for like half two. Because they all used to say to me, I had a kit on under my stuff. So I had to go because I had my kit on. I had to go and get my boots on and my socks and that. <laughs> Lads, I used to go to games. And I'd be sitting there. We'd like The famous ones with Villa away, we would show up after about six minutes. And they all come traipsing in. So I'm like, that's two nil, lads. Well done. And they're like, oh, what happens? I said, telling you. that you should have been here. <laughs> if you're not here for the kickoff, I'm not bothered. Yeah, I'm not telling your, you what happened. It's your own fault. Um, yeah, they did well, it a few times, but that was the same sort of thing. We're going to take a little <laughs> break here and then we'll come back and we'll, we'll digest some more fascinating stories from us. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Right, everybody, welcome back to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Now, we are obviously really, really excited that Paul has come on and he has joined us. He's been telling us all about sort of the history of his dad in Liverpool, the, the big games that we've seen uh, on TV and, and have seen and have been spoken about over many, many years. Uh, it's been fascinating to have you on, Paul, but I, we can't have you on without talking, obviously, about current Liverpool. So, obviously, you're a big Liverpool fan. I can see, for, for those that are listening to this on Spotify and, and on the radio and stuff, you, you won't be able to see Paul's house. Um, but he has got it plastered with, with Liverpool scarves and pictures and all sorts of stuff. Um, what have you been making of this current season, Paul? It's, it's the most strange season we've ever been in. What have you, what have you made of it all? Well, I, you know, people say to me, what would your dad think about it? And I think, well, I'd rather try and have my own opinion. Hmm. rather than think what my dad would think all the time. Uh, I don't think if you, if you like, sort of not force me to not, but if you're saying, my dad wouldn't be happy with some of the performances, but no one has been. 
And yeah. I think a lot of it's been down. So I don't like saying it because you get fans of certain clubs saying, well, everyone's had this. We've missed having fans there. Mm. I don't care what anyone says. Other teams might have missed it as well, but the difference it's made to our performance level and the intensity we play, I just think it's made a big difference. Because, you know, you can be at a game yourself and if 20,000 people are telling you to get back or one person's telling you to get back, there's only going to be a better reaction if the 20,000 are getting onto you. Yeah. You know, it's a difficult thing. Again, another thing you don't like saying, because, of course, other teams say they haven't suffered with any injuries this season until it suits them. And then suddenly it's all, well, we have got players out. We've missed certain big players this year. You know, I'm referring to Van Dyke mm. and Gomez even. I know you say that Gomez is a big player, but you lose your two centre-halves and Matter. You know, you, yeah. you two of, your three centre-halves who you played two from have gone and not played. And, you know, everyone always played against Villa in the seven two. That was a game I've never seen the likes of that before or since that Villa game. I've watched Liverpool. My first game was in 1969. I've, I've never seen a Liverpool team, even whatever bad team you want to pick from, if you want to say the year, you know, the mid 90s or whatever, uh, with Torben Pignac and people like that playing centre half. We've never played like we did at Villa that night. You're just watching it thinking, you know, every time Villa got the ball, I think they're going to score. It was every single time Van Dyke's playing in that game. So, you know, you can't say it happened after the Everton game, but the influence of losing them. And someone was talking to me the other day, I do walking every day, I go for walks. And a fella stopped me and he said somewhere, and he said about how Sadio Mane's playing, you know, he's not playing well. He's not. I said, well, he had COVID in October. Mm. He said, he's never been right since then, if you like. You know, he's had little spells, but he's not been consistently as he was. He's my favourite player at the moment in yeah. the team. I love watching the man. But he's not firing as he has been the last two years. But he's had he's had COVID, and I think a lot of people have forgotten that salad the same. I don't know whether he had it or he come back from that wedding, didn't he? And he he got had to self isolate. I don't know if he had it or not. Mm. But the whole the whole season it's got to affect your training. There's people missing from training. The training's not the same. All the get-togethers, everything's not. It's just it's just not the same. It's just a mad season. City have you know stormed the league. It's fair enough. They've They've won it. And as someone was pointing out on, say, the weekend, they dropped Champions League game. Then they had seven or eight different players. And the team he had out was worth uh, 560 million quid. Yeah. So no one, no one else can do that. Yeah. Now, whether that's part of it. And as I said to someone, I was funny enough, at the match on Sunday, I was talking to one of the lads who don't normally say uh, he lives over the water, who comes, he's got lots of non-league games. I said, if we were in City's position, you wouldn't care. And that's the problem. That mm. is the problem now with it. It's all, it's always been about winning. You know, you go back to, again, when my dad's there in the 70s, 80s, it's all about winning. But the the pressure, I don't care, the pressure wasn't the same from outside, from people who've got nothing to do with the club. Any pressure, my dad and Roy and Bob Paisley, people like that, the main pressure they were under was from themselves because of their pride in the performance. Mm. And what they wanted to do. Now you've got hundreds of people getting onto you. If things aren't, you've got sponsors. Now we had sponsors back then, Crown Paints and Candy, Hitachi, whatever. But it's nothing like it is now. And you didn't have the BBC making you play at dopey times and then doing interviews with you, literally trying to wind the managers of the team up on live television. 
yeah. like the fella did with Klopp earlier this year, because he just wanted him to have a go at him. He was desperate for Klopp. So I can't remember what the game was now, but he come on at the end of the game and he was desperate for Klopp to have a go at him. And in the end, Jürgen said something to him. Next thing, it's all up with Klopp complaining about this, complaining about that. Every manager's the same. Mm. I mean, Everton did it the other week. I, I follow a lot of Everton fans on Twitter. They follow me. I don't put nothing about Everton on Twitter. It's not it's not, not worth it. I just can't be bothered. But I can't I can't be bothered with the fallouts because you put yeah. an honest opinion on and you just get ripped into for the next 12 hours. I can't be bothered with it. I did it with City two years. When City beat Leicester, when company at that goal, you know the one, the out the blue, world breaking goal he scored. But it yeah. was like five, six by the end. They actually missed that chance at the end, which no one's ever going to tell me he didn't put that wide on purpose. The one I don't know if you can remember it, but Inati got played through when he was with Leicester. Yeah. He got played through one on one and he it's a cameraman. I like remember it was harder to miss. It was, it but he, missed, well he didn't just miss. Yeah, it would be well better wide. off if he tripped right? over the ball, it would have looked more convincing. Yeah, yeah. But he basically hit a shot at the corner of the penalty area. Yeah, I remember. Who the Man City player on loan at Leicester, who yeah. missed that chance to give us the tell because we'd have won the league if he'd have scored that. Yeah, because that's the two days, your two points. We got beat by a point, so I've lost the thread of what I was on about now. Because I started talking about that left the game, <laughs> I forgot what I was talking about. I see the, I see the passion coming through in you. Oh, it just it's things like that. Oh, we talk about this season. I mean, like what we're yeah. doing, but uh, I, I've I would have been in my dad's bad books to be honest with you. Because a lot of the time this season, my answer to people is, "Well, we won the league last year." And that's like completely the wrong Moran attitude because it's all about what you do in the next season. But after the 30-year wait, mm. someone's saying to us, you've been rubbish this year. Well, we won the league last year. Yeah. Well, it's not just, I say, well, we did. We won it last season. Then we won the Champions League two years. It's, it's, I mean, my dad would be like, you know, he wouldn't be happy with that attitude yeah. from me. But <laughs> I've instilled it in my son around my son, David. He's, he's took it on as well. He'll say someone and his mates will be arguing. He says he just sits there and he'll go, we won the league last year, though, you know. We won the league. You've only won it once, doesn't matter. We won it last year. You can just use that as the answer to every yeah. question you get asked about this season. <laughs> if anyone asks you about this, if, this season, you've been rubbish this season, it's worst title defence ever. Yeah, but we won it last year. Just say, you don't know what to say. It just ends up being the argument goes to pot. It's great. I've done. I've been doing it since about since we were obviously going to win it around about the end of November, December. Yeah. When we start, well, I think it was more January when that run started in January. The whole mm. run, but that losing six games on the Saturday, home, you know, that's that's it's, it's. You say it's not right. It's like every, every team is key. When the, the problem was most of the teams deserve to beat us. Yeah. As it turned out for how they played on the day, you know, Burnley and Brighton and that, because you could see it coming. You know, yeah. you could see they're going to score here. And even with West Brom in that 1-1 one, one game, you know, we were sitting yeah. there, we had the, the family around and we were saying, well, they're going to score, West Brom are going to score. We, we've got to get, we, we at, at that time, we needed to score two or three to win a game. Scoring yeah. one was not enough. And, you know, we lost, and even the derby with Everton, you know, that goal after four minutes, you like, it's like we hadn't started. It's like, well, what are you doing? You know, and you sort of thinking near the end of that game again, it's a, the wrong attitude. But when it was 1 0, you think, you know, it's always says the hope that kills you. Mm. I was like, sort of saying, I wouldn't mind if Everton scored again here just to finish us off. Because <laughs> you're watching it thinking we're going to, you know, 
we're still in it with one goalie, one, and you think we're not going to score no matter what happens here. And then you look at that, and then people say about Manny and that, but as I said before, he's had COVID, so you don't know how that's affected him physically. I mean, you know, yeah. he might be he's trying to do stuff, he's not getting on the end of things like he was, and he's only got to lose a yard of pace, and then that's what it is. And I, people have, I think a lot of people have disregarded that he's had that. But I uh, mention it because he's one of my favourite players at the moment, as I say. Like so, and I, I'm in the same boat as you, to be honest, Paul. Like I love, I love Mane, and I've always sort of defended Mane's corner. And as you said, a big part of it is the fact, as you said, things have changed over the years now. Is that like I remember hearing a, an interview with Troy Deeney last season that like he was saying about the fact that obviously when Watford were were going through relegation, eventually got relegated. He said there was people messaging him every week, just giving him abuse. And, and as you said, it's not just a case of your backroom staff now and your players and there being disagreements. You're going online to where uh, 20,000 people on Twitter just give you abuse. And he said he eventually bit and, and snapped back at one of them. And they wrote to him and they were like, oh, thanks for replying. It's lovely to hear from you. And it's like, yeah. what's going on? It's like, that's what it is, is that people are just looking for sound bites now and looking for controversy so they can sort of have their, their moment in the sun. Yeah, but you, you, I say, you know, I, I'm, I've been on Twitter for about six, seven, well, probably eight years now on Facebook and that. Mm. I could, I've got my phone, yeah, my phone's there and it's a little red thing. I could, after this, I could put a message on there at four o'clock and there'll be 500 comments on it at half five. Mm. If I put something about Everton or something about Man United or something about City, you know, something a bit over the top. Yeah. You could just do it. You can do it that easy. That's why I choose not to do it. Because you just literally can't be asked. I'd rather put my pictures on. I'd put stuff about Liverpool when we're playing. Mm. You know, put comments about Liverpool and get in and what a goal that was and, you know, stupid little comments and that when the matches are going on about incidents in the games. Yeah. But never comments about anyone else. Even in them games, I'll never say, other than uh, when we played Leicester, because that Johnny Evans, I'd I'd said before, I sent me, me lad a message before the game saying, I hope Johnny Evans is playing. He's the worst player in the world. And then he scored that. Well, he, he scored the added on goal, didn't he? He added the whole yeah. own goal. In. And my lads put that on Twitter there. Look what my dad sent me at 10 past two. And then everyone was having a go at me. You shouldn't be putting that about players. And I said, I sent it to my son for the laugh. Like, you know what I mean? No, I meant it. But yeah. It was just between me and the lad. But he put it on. He does it now and again just to drop me in it. Like, so... <laughs> yeah, good job he doesn't. Good job he doesn't put some of the things we put the WhatsApp messages to each other because we getting uh, getting Twitter took off. Maybe put some of the ones that we put on. Not saying what about which, which which teams and players, but I'm sure you can half work it out yourself. Oh, like. I, can, oh, I can imagine. Now, obviously, your your dad's obviously caretaker managed Liverpool on two different occasions. Uh, you've, as you said, you played yourself, so you know. And, and obviously, we spoke about the fans and the fans not being there. Obviously, your, your dad started off playing left-back, you played in goal, and whether it be amateur league, semi-pro or professional, we know how much fans have an influence on games that you said about before. So when we look at Liverpool this season and going into next season, from a sort of managerial head perspective, from someone who has, has sort of knows what it's like to, to have family members at the top having to make these big decisions, would you be would you be someone who would say, Right, if the grounds are going to open, give Klopp another season with the team, let him rectify this season, or would you be bringing in changes? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, you talk about changes. If you, if you could 
again, going back over the years, if you can bring someone in who's better than what you've got, you've got to bring them in. Yeah. I don't think just bringing people in for the sake of it, because you, you see a lot of that, you know, I know we're talking about social media a lot, but you see people, we should sign him, sign him. So someone did it on, again, just briefly mentioning Hillsborough again. Someone put a Hillsborough thing on and someone had to go with the FSG for not buying someone on a tweet that was about Hillsborough. So that's got nothing to do with that. That's completely the wrong thing. So you can say you buy someone, you know, you're looking at people who've been mentioned. I don't really follow it that much until they actually sign for us because, you know, it's like players who play for other teams. I don't like Harry Kane as a player. Okay. I, I never I never have from when his, hmm. when he was 18, 19. He's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I just don't like him. I don't like how he plays. I don't like how he is type of thing. So that's just hmm. personal. Nothing to do with the lad himself. He come and sign for us and start scoring goals. He'd be going, oh, I was wrong about him. Yeah. You know, he's a good player. I'm glad he's playing for us. It's like Manny scoring for Southampton against us. You, you don't think he's going to come and play for us. Mm. It's when they come to play for you. It's like Roy Keane, if you like, when he was at United. Oh, I can't stand him. Can't you? Wouldn't mind him playing. For, wouldn't mind him playing for us back in the uh, 90s. Because mm. we didn't have no one like that in the team. You, know, you, got, you got Paul Insim, but he was, using the phrase carefully, he wasn't at his peak when he come to us. You know, United had got rid of him for a reason. Uh, he didn't go to Inter Milan because he wanted to go to Inter Milan. United got rid of him. Same with Yap Stam, you know, people like that. I don't talk about United, but you can only bring, you've got to bring people in who improve the team, not just though we've, because you hear this thing, we've got to sign someone, well, who? Who do you want to sign? Who's better than what we've got? Yeah. And you talk about, you know, you had all that thing before Christmas when Van Dijk and Gomez and Matip are injured and he let Lovren go. Should they have let him go then? Because, all right, he's not everyone's favourite player, but he's a centre-half experienced centre-half, international player. Mm. He might have been better off keeping him, but you don't know that. He might have come in and we could have been horrendously worse if you look. We've lost a lot of games. But you could have been... I'm saying that that's not criticism or love him by any means. But Paul, it's so funny. You don't know. Yeah. Danny, this is just... A, we, we've discussed this on previous pods, obviously. We're all what's going on this season. And I'm sorry to put in there, but I literally made a point for about 20 minutes of the episode. Why on earth did we get rid of Dejan Lovren? Because in my opinion, as a fourth three centre back, he was the best fourth three centre back in the league. But Danny hates him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you brought this up. Keep going, keep talking. I don't, that's <laughs> keep what I'm going. saying. I wouldn't say Lovren would be your first choice centre half, but under the circumstances we were having, because you know, Massips seems to be always likely to be injured yeah. after a run of three or four games. Joe Gomez, you know, but, but these people, they've all been injured basically in tackles. So there's not, it's nothing you can do about it. You know, there's no training, there's no strengthening exercises you can do to avoid being injured mm. in a tackle, which is why you know, Thiago, I, I like Thiago. I don't know what you think of him. Mm. I think he'd be in, in his proper position in a fully, fully firing team. I think he'll rip through the league, Thiago. I don't think he's at his best because we've been under pressure all the time. Yeah, because we're we've not been playing well in them own games, and he's like he's he's trying to do too much. He's doing his tackles where he's going to ground. I agree. I agree. Getting yeah. booked. He's he's trying to do the thing people do when they come to a new club, whereas he knows he's watching on the telly. It's not the same as being in the ground, but he's 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 like trying to get in with the crowd. It's hard to explain, but he's trying to get in. Look, I'm doing this. I'm trying my hardest. I'm doing this and doing that. 
and he's not doing what he's good at. Yeah. Which is getting because some of the passes he hits, fucking hell, he's either needle through gaps in that, and that he sees things that other players don't see. It's like Fabinho. I like mm-hmm. him as well. I think he's a fantastic player. When we signed him, it was more or less, well, let's see what he's like. But that's what I'm saying. See, they, they don't just go off like what Fred Fred on Twitter said, you know, yeah. this fella. <laughs> it's like Mbappe. And you can say, well, why don't we sign him? He wants to come to Liverpool. The rumour has it. Oh, how true that is or where that's come from is like another matter. But you could say, well, we sign him. Then he doesn't fit in with our playing. So there's no point in signing him. So you can't just go and say, it's like signing people to say, City have done it up to a point, but they've it's just the number of players they've got. Whereas mm. if there's two or three injured, it doesn't affect them. Whereas with us, for whatever reason, but we've lost the three cents. That's the main point for me this season. And that's affected how the fullbacks play because they're not as confident bombing forward now because they're not as, we're not as good at the back. Yeah, And that's no criticism of Fabinho playing there or Nat Phillips you know, anyone like that who's played at the back fours this season, none of them have... You could, uh, Kabak now. I quite like Kabak, I think. I'd love to see Kabak playing alongside Van Dijk, mm. you know, being marshalled through games by him, just to see what he's like in, under that sort of help, for want of a better word. You know, if he helps him through games, he's only 20, Kabak. I mean, as he, when he started, you know, people have criticised him after one game. Well, he looks like he's out of position, he's doing this. He said, Christ, it's like getting thrown into the middle of a scrum. Yeah. You know, if we weren't playing well, you know, you're centre-back now, you do this, you're you're the only... I mean, the fact that Klopp trusted him to play, because mm-hmm. you've got the lad from Preston, whose name I can't remember again, for about the ben fifth. Davis. Yeah, he's... You know, what's happened to him? Is he not fit? I don't mean not fit injured-wise, or does he just not think he can cope with the Premier League? And then you'd yeah. say, well, why did you sign him then? Is the next question. But he obviously doesn't trust him to play. If he's going yeah. to play his main, his centre that, uh, midfield. Uh, what you're saying there, Paul, is it, it's a prime example. I don't just sign someone because everyone's signed someone. You've got to sign someone to improve the team. So you could argue without knowing what's going on behind the scenes that Ben, ben Davis isn't going to improve the team. That's why he's not playing. So it's a waste of a uh, signing. Well, you, you could say that, but it probably in the great scheme of things, I, I don't think for a minute he signed and because people were saying we needed to sign a centre-half. I, I wouldn't believe that a, a club like us would just try and shut the fans up by signing a centre-half from Preston. Yeah. It's disrespectful to him for anyone to even think that. He's a professional footballer. You know, I, I, I have this thing where I it sounds like because of me, the influence from my dad and knowing professional footballers, certainly even years ago, what the training was like then and what they do now. You you can't just be a professional footballer because you're a good player. Mm. There's many more levels to it. And people go, oh, they, they train from 10 till 1 and they do that. There's, there's so much more to it. Don't get me wrong, we'd love to have done it. And the wages are fantastic and that. But it's not just... I, I admire any professional football. I love meeting them because you see them sometimes on a Saturday, Sunday games, like Lee Sundle knocks it down, Liverpool. Uh, the Colfield. Some county com get county com games on a Saturday. He'll be at them because his mate, a team called Paid Celtic, who he's got something to do with because he always wear a Swansea kit. Okay. He's always got an old Swansea kit on. Did he? Did he play for them recently? Because I, I, I remember he I played for Swansea. Yeah, he played for Swansea for a while. No, no, that. But did he play some kind of? They, local, he played in an uh, over thirty five game. I think it was AP eight. He played for that goal. There was a goal. Like, there was a goal yeah, that he scored a scream about a year ago. 
Yeah, he's, oh, he's, he was playing in Wales as well. He was in like the third division in Wales, but he's mm. just still playing. He just wants to play. But again, you see people like him, and you know, I just love meeting. Been in the Lake District about two, three years ago, and I was told I'd been to watch. I've been to watch a game. Supposed to be on a weekend away with the wife. I've been to watch Candle against Farsley Celtic, which is. <laughs> Oh, wife, wife didn't want to go. She's done the hotel. Can you imagine? Like, this is a game. So I go to the game and on the way back, I'm at back at the hotel like oh, five, six o'clock. So I'm putting the pictures on Swiss and this fellow walked past me and he went, oh, you've been to a game, Scottish lad? I went, yeah, yeah. And he, his name was Paul Smith. And so when you recognise someone, I think, it's just how he was talking. And then he, I said, he used to play. He went, yeah. And looked on Wikipedia. He played 450 games in Scotland. In Scotland. For like Dundee United and people like that, he played at a high level. Falkirk, mm. I'd say, even that, you know, you say Falkirk, and you say to someone, oh, he played for Falkirk, Falkirk, yeah, you, know, you go and play for them for three seasons, then you go and mm. see what it's like for three seasons playing for them if it's that easy. So yeah. you can't even kick the ball, like, you know, and you're having a go at him. He's made 450 odd appearances in the Scottish leagues, and he was manager of a time at Wraith Rovers and that. To the end of the end, my wife just said, my wife sat with his wife in the end and me and him just talked about football for about three <laughs> hours, the various things. Like, so it was good but like, meeting people like that. You don't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be Ronaldo or someone famous. It's just professional football. My son-in-law knows a lad who's played for Preston and Sammy. He's like a good player as well. I love talking to him, you know, when he's having their trip out and that or go to something where he's at. Uh, mm. Callum Woods, I go and talk to him about football and he like you know he talks back about football and that but professional football is it's much there's there's a lot of benefits to doing it. Yeah. But it's it's much harder than you think. And that's where we see the difference, I suppose, isn't it? Is that as you said, we're talking about the whole Ben Davis situation and I think Klopp brought in Kabak to be able to to fill that hole and that's why he was sort of on loan and stuff. But if if we turn around and say, oh, he hasn't played Ben Davis, so it was just a panic buy, then we have to say that about Andrew Robertson. He brought him in and done the exact same thing. And look yeah. how good he's turned out. Klopp is still using his system and the way that he works. In a way that... And Fabinho. Fabinho. He done yeah. the same with Fabinho, didn't he? Yeah. So, hey, that's a good point. I was just kind of playing devil's advocate. And like, yeah. as I say, I'd like to see him get a game. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, we'll find, I think we'll find him. But he's not going to play him if he's not right. I don't exactly. mean permanently not right. But yeah. we've signed people before. And he goes, this never used to happen. Everyone's stomping the feet. And this is awful. You might remember the lad. Do you remember the lad called Frank McGarvey? We signed him from St. Mirren in about 1978. Scottish international. Never played for the first team. Went back to Celtic after a year. Went back, mm. played a lot for Celtic. So you're signing people. you signed him for something like £300,000 in 1978. So it was a lot of money back then on that level. He never played yeah. for the first team because when he come down, he'd been scouted, he'd been watched and he come down, he just wasn't right when he come down so he never played him. Mm. I mean, I said, you know, we can't, we, not, we, we can't trust him to play. He's not going to do what we want. So he's not playing. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying to you. That happened in 1978. So this Ben Davis thing, again, you're talking about McGarvey who never played for the first team and then left. I don't know what's going to happen with Ben Davis. He might end up playing two hundred games. Yeah, yeah. I think only you know, only time will only time will tell with it all, won't it? Well, this is it, but people have a go about it, like without knowing. Yeah, because Klopp's not going to come up and go. He's not playing because, and mm. give a definitive reason because he doesn't need to do it. Yeah, I'm sure Ben Davis. I'm sure Ben Davis knows why he's not playing. Yeah, 
I'm sure mm. he's not just sitting there every week and he's reading the team, the squad out. He goes, oh, I'm not in it again. Mm. I'm sure he knows the situation. Well, he has been on the bench, hasn't he? A few times, Champions League game, no three games for Almadir. That's what I'm saying, he's not. Every Saturday going, oh, you know, might be on this Saturday. Oh, no, you're mm. off again. You know, like Sunday League team where you get the the idiot who turns up every week who doesn't get a game and then one yeah. week he's playing because you've only got 10. <laughs> I don't think, you know, it's, it's, it's disrespectful to say. About it. I've been quite passionate about this Ben Davis situation because mm. some people talk absolute, you know, what's it about it? Like, it's it's so yeah. unfair. And like people say, well, why have we signed him? And then we'll just wait and see. Yeah, two cents at half play, and we got people playing. You know, just see what he's like if he plays, and then if he doesn't play, you could say, "Well, it was a bad signing." Said, "Well, yeah. we'll probably get the same money back for him when he goes because he's been at Liverpool for six months or two years." That's or whatever. So true, yeah, yeah. And I suppose, as as we said, only only time will tell. We don't necessarily know what's going on, um, but we'll see over time. But I think that leads on to the to the last question I want to sort of throw at you before we we finish this off, Paul, is that we're saying about the fact that. As you said, a lot of sort of people on Twitter, anyone who hasn't really been to the game, know anything about football, is able to have this opinion because of social media platforms and and things have kind of things aren't really real anymore. People saying, "Oh, you should just sign Mbappe," like like three hundred million pound can just come out of thin air. But it's because it's almost not real in our own minds. And obviously, over the last few weeks, all the discussion has been around this Super League, this whole incident of of money. This whole thing of us joining this sort of spectacular new private league that you buy your way into and tons of money is going to be surrounded. We can buy whoever we want, do whatever we want. And people have had their opinions on it. As a big Liverpool fan, as someone who has grown up around the club, what did you make of everything over the past few weeks and, and what's been going on with this whole situation? Well, the, the main point to make about it is it was obviously a PR disaster for the club, mm. as it turned out. Uh, I was on another thing the other week with uh, uh, Kenny Dalglish's podcast. It is. It's uh, like Paul Gavin does it. We were talking about this because it was the day after it. Mm. It's it's come. Whoever's advised John W. Is it John W. Henry? In it. Whoever's yeah. described it to him or explained it to him, for him to then think it's a good idea, has obviously not spoken because you got the distinct impression that none of the players knew it was happening. Yeah, certainly not on that particular day. The Klopp, the, the Klopp, and he said that the manager <laughs> didn't know nothing about it as a mm. definite thing on that day. So it's like you know, it's it's just been so badly handled by the club, mm. and I think it's it's coming from because you've got your main people are in America. It's not because they're in America, but your main people are out of touch. I think with. And you say the fans, we've got fans all over the world. There's probably more as many fans in America as there would be in Liverpool, if you yeah. like, and in Ireland and in Indonesia and in India, whatever. But that league, I think a lot of people thought that the league was going to take over from the Premier League and we weren't going to be in the Premier League anymore. And that was never the case. Yeah, It was going to be a midweek league mm. where you'd be playing. Now, whether you're still in the Champions League, that was the thing where it said you, you couldn't go in the Champions League because UEFA could stop you. Now, something come up yesterday saying the uh, FA are doing a thing where they're doing what sanctions you can get if this happens again. Now, have you seen? Have you, did you see that last night? It was yeah, the yeah. FA are going to do. Uh, you've got to do this. You've got to do that. And the sanctions if you try and go against this. Now, mm. what that indicates to me is they can't give us a points deduction next season or a fine because there couldn't have been any sanctions for it. Now, if they're having to do them now, 
Exactly. So yeah. The fact that we've just done it, there can't be any sanctions against it, which is the FA's fault as well for not having something in position where teams could say, right, well, we're going to play in this other tournament that's got nothing to do with you. Mm. Now, I don't think, I, as I was, we were talking about the other day, I've been to watch us play Coventry, say, 20 times over the years. Now, I know they're in the second division now or the first, wherever they're in now. Would you want to go and watch Inter Milan four times a season? Because the fact that you're going to watch us play Inter Milan or Real Madrid, it's not every season. So you don't I I don't I wouldn't want to do that every year. It's like this season, I'm really this year with the uh, Champions League, four of the teams we've played, I've not seen us play before. So I'm gutted that you couldn't go to them games. I've never seen us play at, at, at Atalanta, Ajax, Leipzig, or uh, Missyland from Denmark. So mm. it's four new teams I've missed seeing us play because of this pandemic. But the point of it is you're seeing different teams in it. Now you do get your regulars. As you know, because we seem to play Porto quite a lot. Yeah. You know, you've had other teams who played more than once, which is fair enough. It's just how the draw goes. You know, City always seem to play Dortmund mm. or uh, that Shakhtar the next. They've played them a few times who we've never played. But it's just the, 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 the Super League was such a. It's like, for me, we, when we were talking about it the other week, we were saying like, it's like people in a pub of thoughts or something. Wouldn't it be good to do this? And I'm going, yeah, they are. Just sign that, sign your name on the beer mat if you want to join in. Yeah. But you've got the people from the main six, not the main six clubs, six big English clubs who signed it. And then after they signed it, they've gone, oh, hang on a minute. That wasn't a good idea. Now, as someone, one of the lads said to us the other day, which did make me laugh, he said, you've always got 14 days to back out of a contract if you don't think it's right. So surely... We've just said, now we're not doing it now. So there can't be any... I'm frightened about us losing points next season, starting on minus 20 or something like, you know, and then it's another season of not winning the league because you're not going to come back from minus 20. Mm. You know, City might because they're about how many points? They're only about 12 points clear now, aren't they? Like after what they've been doing. But I, I don't think it was a good idea and John W. Henry saying, well, this happened, that happened. If it had been a good idea, it's his signature on that bit of paper. Yeah, He's the one who said yes to that Super League. No one else has at the end of the day. It's up to him as the owner to sign that bit of paper. So for the amount of stuff it's caused the club and ill feeling and everything that it's caused, it's down to him. But all these people, FSG out people, who do you want in? Who's yeah. going to come in and take over? Because I always remember when Hicks and Gillette, who been getting mentioned a lot lately they got chased out the club with uh, no Yanks at Liverpool get rid of the Yanks then FSG took us over and everyone was oh this will be great they, were, yeah. they are American you know so the Americans left and were replaced by Americans but yeah. as you said, this, it's a, everyone it's, get yeah, rid it's, of the Yanks and I yeah, as you said, it's it's it's, just, it's something that's going to roll on now for weeks, if not months, right the way throughout the summer. And as you said, we've discussed it quite a lot as well. And and the ins and outs of the fact that the FA and UEFA are kind of a monopoly, and and there's nowhere else we can go anyway. And, and that's why they can they've got all these things over but us in terms of points deductions and all the rest of it. But the um, new Champions League is going to be more or less what the Super League was going to be. Yeah, exactly. When you're in it. You can be in it just because you've won it before. Yeah, you know, this is qualifying if you've been in it or won it or done well in it. You qualify whether you're twelfth in the league or fifteenth or whatever. You can be in the next season. That's yeah. more or less what the Super League is. 
Yeah, and I think we're going to be looking down the battle of a of a money orientated cup, whether we whether we join the Super League or not. But as you said, I think we described it on the podcast the other week as planning a lads' night out before you ask the missus, "Can you go on a lads' night out?" And that was kind oh, of what the Super League was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's safe. I've been married thirty four years, so. <laughs> You know, take these games now. I mean, I'm, I'm going to a lot of non-league games. I go, I'm going tonight, I'm going Thursday, I'm going Friday. But you, you don't do that without certain, you know. Yeah. No, I, I said flashback. I was trying to think that I was like the flashback. I had a flashback then forgetting to tell her about them. But uh, <laughs> it, you just, you've got to, it, again, that, the thing about the being in the pub, it's like six people being in the pub talking, saying, this is a good idea, we'll do this. Yeah. And then the next day, they've gone, oh, hang on. That's not a good idea, that lads. <laughs> so, uh, I know. And do you know what, Paul? In in as few words as possible, just as we finish up here, just as we look at, at this season and what's gone on, we've got a few games left. We've got obviously we've got to rearrange this United game and all the rest of it. Do you think Liverpool can make top four with the games that we've got left this season? Honestly, no. I don't think we can. Certainly, last night didn't help. Mm. Uh, West Ham winning there at Burnley we talk about West Ham that's how mad this season is you know West Ham a third I think now they're certainly fourth uh, I, I hope we can I'd love us to uh, see how many games we got left is six five, five. I'd love us to win the five games and then see where it gets us because mm. you just want us to win every game anyway so we, if we get 15 points from the five games see where we finish up Yeah. if we win the five games then we'll probably get in it Yeah. but I can't see us winning the five how we're playing at the moment yeah, you and know, I'm, so it's one of them. Yeah, and you know what? There's so much more that we can talk about here, Paul, in terms of fans and whether whether West Ham and, and other clubs have benefited from having no fans and stuff like that. And I think we could we could go on about it all day. And there's so much that we could talk about, but obviously we've we've run out of time. And thank you so much for Paul for coming on. We really really appreciate it. And uh, hope you enjoy the rest of the season. Hopefully, me and Ammo are going to be coming over to Liverpool soon, and we'll be able to get. Course up with you properly, all being well, chatting about football <laughs> face to face, which would be good. Be good. Thank you. Look forward to it. Oh, no. Thank really you so much for coming on, Paul. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. It's been a great pod, and I hope you have enjoyed it. And we'll catch us next week with our next episode with the reviews of the games coming up. So thank you so much for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.